All right, good morning. If the kids are still in here, you're, you're dismissed back through those back doors. Okay? So, good morning. My name is Eric. We've got five, count them, five sermons, so we'll get out of here about 7 o'clock tonight. All right. So, I think for many of us, uh, 2022 was a pretty rough year. A lot of sickness, a lot of pain, a lot of loss. Um, so I was thinking about this, actually. You know, bef- before last year, I had, I had never played music at a wedding or a funeral. And last year alone, I played at five funerals and a wedding. So many hard days. And what God showed me through that season was my need for this church family. Uh, and the passage that I think probably sums this up the best is uh, one that we went through last April, actually, Acts 2, verses 42 through 47. I'm going to read 42 because that's kind of where my mind went. Uh, but I would encourage you to go back and listen to Mike's sermon from April 3rd, where he goes through that in depth. Verse 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, like I was saying earlier, a lot of hardship. My wife, Jody and I uh, both lost our dads this year. Uh, my dad's funeral was in March in Mississippi. Jody's dad's service was here in town in December. And I will tell you there was a marked difference that we felt between those two services. Being out of town for my dad's service, uh, we had literally no church family present. Now, my family was there, thankfully, but it is, there is a different peace and comfort that comes from being around your people, those who know you well and who trust in Christ. And at, ja- at Jody's dad's service, you all showed up big time, and that was such a comfort. Thank you. So we learned the importance of community at our last church. We attended for a while. But it was not until we joined a small group meeting in someone's home that we really got to know people and develop deep friendships that last even to this day. And we've hosted group at our home for years, so I felt the importance of community. But as an introvert, I have a bent toward isolating myself. And COVID probably allowed me to regress a little deeper into that than I should have. But this year, God has just blown my mind as to how much I need the presence of the people of God in my life. In hardship, I need people present to be ready to pray with me, to joke with me, to bring food. I didn't think that that was the thing, but yeah, bringing food is a way of showing love. And my family has been on the receiving end of joy from God by being able to reciprocate that to you. And the value of this community is immeasurable. And the love that I have received through you hearkens back in my heart to how God loved me when I was still his enemy. When I was in need of a friend, he showed up just like you showed up. 
Um, when I needed grace and mercy, he extended that to me just like you have. When I was overwhelmed with the darkness of this broken world, he shone the light of the hope of Christ into my life just like your presence has this year. And what that experience of this community does in my heart is lead me then to worship. When I am devoted to and invested in a church family like this, I get to know the specifics of what is going on in your lives. I internalize your struggles and your joys. And when I know that you've been through the ringer this week, and I see you show up at community group faithfully bringing cookies to share with others in spite of your pain, or I see you here on a Sunday morning and your hands fly up praising the one who is carrying you through that heartache. My heart is driven to thankfulness for God doing that in your life. And I worship my God because I see his goodness, his faithfulness, and his mercy. And I see the hope of an eternity where pain and suffering are no more because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. And then my family is, just as this passage says, heartily devoted to this fellowship, to this church family, all the more after going through hardship after hardship together this year. And it has grown me to love God's design for the church that we see in this passage in Acts. So I jealously want that for each of you, too. So it is my encouragement this year to you that if you do not have a community group home, please try one out. Try a couple. It's okay. Just do know that none of them are going to be perfect because I'm there. Just join one and become part of the family, okay? That's, that's my, my hope for you this year. All right, now Bob Lancaster is going to come up and share with us. I know what everyone is thinking out there. Uh, we've never seen Bob speak before, and you're right. So I'm going to speak to you about troubles and problems, but I don't think that it's going to be the way you think. I spent uh, 43 years working for Ameren. Most of the time, it was working on other people's problems and troubles. You see, I was given a, a God-given ability to fix things. At work, at home, my boss, my family, my friends, they all said I could fix anything. This gave me a pride and a validation for my work. It also gave me a way to serve people both at work and through my life. As a father, it gave me a great joy to solve the, my kids' problems, whatever they were, with a car, with a furnace, with a broken pipe, washing machines, dryers. <clears throat> Working for Ameren, uh, it gave me great troubleshooting skills, and uh, I'd like to share three different ways that uh, that helped me 
First, that I was qualified. Being there 43 years, I installed most of the circuits that I was working on. So I knew how they were wired, and I knew how that they were supposed to work. If I put something in, this was supposed to come out. Every electric circuit has a power source. You had to make sure that they were plugged in. You'd be amazed how many times it happens that somebody kicked the plug out, flipped the wrong breaker. You had to make sure that the connection was good. It was solid, it was clean, and it wasn't a couple wires twisted together like Ecuadorian circuits. Our important circuits we tested on a regular basis. We had to make sure that they were working at the time of emergency. The last skill uh, that they gave me late in my career, uh, we had a new manager, and it, he was talking about cost of service, and that there were certain circuits that I put in that I maintained that I carried all the parts for that he said that I could not work on anymore because I cost too much. So that was hard for me to, to give that up. So I was a problem solver for people at Ameren and communication, but God wants to be your problem solver. He wants to be the first choice, and he wants to change your life so that he can, so you will run to him for problems. Remember the three parts, being qualified. In Jeremiah 4, 5, Jeremiah is speaking. Now the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you, and I appointed you the prophet over all nations. God knows all about you before you even was. He knows the beginning, the now, and the end of your life. He knows how you're wired, because he wired you. The power source. You got to make sure that you're plugged in. I'm going to give you four ways to, to do that. One is through prayer. prayer. It's important that you test those circuits on a regular basis. Second uh, Corinthians 7, 14, and 15 if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Repentance. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. True repentance is a way to wipe off and have a clean slate and be able to start over. And the words, I'm sorry, is a good way to start that. To have relationship with, with God. We need time with God. We are his children. Dads always want to spend time with their children and take care of them. In worship. I worship God in, in uh, seeing things in nature. I mean, the sun comes up, the sun goes down. But God added a sunset and a sundown. 
I just love the colors, especially in, in the, uh, this time of the year. The, the reds come out, and it's just awesome. He could have just had the trees, the leaves fall off, but no, he put the color in there. And every once in a while in the summertime, you get that gigantic thunderstorm that comes through, it gives you that rainbow. And in Ecuador, we've seen a triple rainbow. It's just awesome. And so I worship him through what he has done for me. When I look back on the problems that he solved and was with me in, in, in the valleys, and we should worship him in public and private and as we gather together with God's people. And my final uh, follow point was the cost of service. The cost of God serving, uh, helping us with our problems was great. God paid the ultimate cost for this service, and he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. But the good news is that it's already been paid. Our past, our now, and our future has all been paid. So your choice for 2023 needs to be whether you're going to continue to be your own troubleshooter or you're going to let the God of the universe, who's qualified, who is our power source, and has paid the ultimate cost to be your troubleshooter this year. Good morning. My name's John Park. Happy New Year. And I'm going to... Uh, Share some encouragement to be in the Word this in 2023. I'm going to open with Scripture. If, uh, if you want to turn with me, Psalm 19, I'm going to read verses 7 to 11. I didn't submit it ahead of time for it to be up here, but we're going to read that. If I can get my papers to cooperate. All right, Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. That's one of at least 50 verses minimum that command us to read Scripture, to instruct us to read Scripture, or to remind us to read and study the Bible. Today I'm going to share some methods that, that I have used, what I'm using now, uh, share some ideas in hopes to encourage you to, to, to continue your own discipleship in the Word or to begin to take in Scripture in 2023. And regardless of your faith journey, I think there'll be something in here for each of us to apply. My, my own faith life, uh, by the time I got to my late 20s, I had not been in church a whole lot. There were a couple years during my early teenage years where our family attended regularly. But we reached, Don and I reached kind of a, a crossroads when we became expectant parents for the first time. And God began to work in our lives that you have a responsibility beyond yourselves, and you're going to be responsible for training. 
So late 20s is the first time I started reading scripture. And I remember calling my dad, who was a follower of Jesus, and I said, hey, I'm reading through some of these New Testaments, and it seems like I'm reading the same stories and same words in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He explained to me those were the Gospels, and they were four different accounts. I didn't even know that that's what those were. I just thought, well, this seems repetitive. But he explained the Gospels, and around that same time in my life, um, it was encouraged through our church to get a study Bible. And for one, one time, I didn't go cheap. I went and bought one of the best study Bibles you could find, and it was highly recommended. And a study Bible is a great supplement. So only the words of Scripture are inspired, but what a study Bible can do for, for you is just give some insights from people who have studied the Word their whole lives and what the original text was meant, what they were saying to that audience, and then there's also sometimes applications that they'll suggest in, in the uh, study notes, and also you will get maps, illustrations, sometimes articles on different theological topics like eschatology, or you'll, you'll get uh, biographies of some of the biblical characters. So I encourage you, if you haven't, that you would invest in a study Bible. Uh, another option, and this might be helpful no matter where you are in your, in your faith walk, there are daily devotionals. For several years, I used something called Our Daily Bread, and it's a ministry that's still around. And I've used that a few times through the years. It'll be 365 pages. You'll have a devotional each day with an option to read a short verse. And then there's an article with an application. And usually there's a reading planned if you want to go through the whole Bible in a year. That you read a chapter a day, a couple chapters in the Old Testament, maybe one with the New. And that can be a good plan to keep you organized and moving throughout the year. Another one I've discovered recently is called New Morning Mercies from Paul David Tripp. This devotional has a longer commentary, but he has a lot of good thoughts on application for each day. And a little bit of commercial here for our next man up. We're going to do a study by Paul David Tripp. We've got a video series titled Men of Faith. Another application or another potential uh, daily devotion, you can get an app. Uh, Paul Larson introduced me a couple years ago to one from, from John Piper. It's called Solid Joys, and it's, it's a lot of the material from the Desiring God website, and that can be a quick encouragement. Move to a little different topic now in another application to study the Bible is group Bible study. Most of the last 30 years, I've been in a, a weekly morning Bible study. Uh, not long after I bought the study Bible, we had a friend from our church who had a business up on Dorset Road, and we were living in Eureka at the time, but he opened up his business uh, once a week at 6.15, so I had to leave my house before 5.30. I think Donna thought I was nuts in... Uh, Started a weekly Bible study that went on for years. When we moved to Lee Summit, I went to a morning Bible study at a Culver's. The owner of the restaurant 
opened up each week. We had about 30 or 40 guys. And then for the last six to eight years, we've had a morning Bible study um, here at Genesis. Right now, we meet at the church office every Tuesday morning, and we read a chapter, and Mike helps explain very good detail what the content is. It's almost like taking a seminary-level class, only you don't have to write any papers, there's no exams, and occasionally we laugh together. So if you can make that, guys, uh, Tuesday morning, 645, the ladies have a Bible study on Thursday nights. They're going to start a new book in a couple of weeks, and if you're interested in that, please talk to to Cheryl or Lori, and then just habits of personal Bible study, some ideas that have worked for me, um, and, and maybe you can relate to this. It has to become a routine, and for me right now at this stage of my life, I'm more of a morning person. Uh, most days, the first thing I do when I get up, well, the first thing is I start the coffee pot. Second thing is I open up God's Word and for the past few years, I've just been reading a chapter a day going through a book, usually the Old Testament, New Testament. Right now, I'm doing two, two Old Testament. And I'll have a commentary as a supplement, just if I don't use it every day, but if I run across a verse, I thought, I need, I need to know more about this. What, is, what was the author, what was going on to this audience? I want to know more about that. I want more clarity. The other thing I would say with a daily routine, or however you're reading through Scripture, is don't read for speed. It's not like reading a novel. Long ago, I heard a pastor on the radio, he said, he used this phrase and it stuck with me. He said, we should bathe in the Scriptures, meaning meditate on what is said, let it soak in, read slow, and absorb it. And then if you have the luxury, best to do it when it's quiet. If there are no other voices around, it's just you and the Holy Spirit that are talking. And another thing I'll say is don't defeat yourself. Some days the schedule just doesn't allow. You won't, you're going to miss. And if you miss, don't berate yourself. Just pick it up the next day. If you miss for a few days, pick it up again. I don't bat a thousand but I miss the time, and I would say the days are different. They go differently if I haven't started that, that day in the Word. So uh, what, I've, what I have found, yes, head knowledge is gain, but the regular time in the Word is, is this. It's regular time with God. It changes your heart, and the cares of this world become dimmer when you're in this regularly. A couple other ideas for a plan. Young people, so middle school, high school, this would be good for you. It could be good for adults, too. Proverbs has 31 chapters. Most, most of our months have 31 days in them. You can read a chapter a day, and they're short. Take you a few minutes. In one year, you have read through the book of Proverbs 12 times. I, I did this early in my walk. I did it at least five years if you're not familiar with the book of Proverbs, when you read these, that sometimes you'll laugh. You're going to read Proverbs and say, oh, I know somebody like that, or I've done that. 
And you're going to draw closer to Jesus. He's in Proverbs as he is in every book. Another good start is just read through the four Gospels, first four books of the New Testament, and try reading a chapter a day. And I'm going to just close with this, encouraging all of us. It's the start of a new year. Find a time that works for you. Find a plan that works for you. Maybe try a different plan this year if you've been doing the same routine. And treat this discipline with grace, not, not law. And God reveals more of himself to us as we read through his words. And let's ask each other when we see each other, what, what did you read this week? What have you learned? What can you share? I'm going to close with Deuteronomy 11:18. Another verse about encouraging us to stay in Scripture. You shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Amen. Now, now Kirk's going to come share more with us. Thank you, John. Uh, church, I would tell you that I believe God is uh, convicting me more and more to live on mission. And I, I mean live on mission, not just when we're within these four walls or when we're on a mission trip to Charleston or, or Ecuador. To take our eyes off, or to, for me to take my eyes off myself so I can see the needs around me and we can live on mission. And I think the way, one of the ways God's teaching me that is through my job. I work for Missouri Medicaid and we provide health care to Missouri's most vulnerable citizens. And church, we're in a time right now where we're at an all-time high in Medicaid enrollment. We have 1.4 million Missourians that get their health care through Medicaid. And there's a, there's a large and growing set of social issues that are impacting physical health. And uh, in our circles, that's known as social determinants of health. And as I look around the state and I look at other states around our country that are struggling with keeping up with the costs of providing this health care, we look at ways to address the social needs, things like uh, food insecurity or housing insecurity or, or lack of transportation. And these are having a great, greater impact on people's health than, than perhaps ever before. But what I really see are broken people that are lost and desperately searching for answers to their physical, their spiritual, their emotional, their social problems, and they just do not know where to turn. So what does Scripture have to say about such a situation? Well, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Matthew writes, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. For they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Church, that describes our world today. Weary and scattered and like sheep without a shepherd. So what did Jesus do? It's, uh, Matthew says he had compassion on them. And in the original language, the word that Matthew used for compassion was the one that expressed the deepest emotion of compassion for people. That tells me that as I look at our world, broken and lost, my first response should be compassion. I believe God's teaching me that, again, through my job. But after having compassion, what does Jesus do? Jesus, Matthew tells us 
He said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. He saw the greatest of human needs as an opportunity, as a harvest that was plentiful. And harvest is a good thing. And this is a plentiful harvest. And Jesus said it was his harvest, but it was also a harvest that needed laborers. So who are these laborers? If you're a believer in Jesus, he's talking about you. He's talking about me to live on mission. I believe what God's teaching me is my mission doesn't go on pause when I leave church on Sunday afternoon. He's teaching me that when I take my eyes off me, I see the needs of others and, and the opportunities to share his love and with all those around me. And sometimes in the most unexpected places, sometimes right under your very nose where you live and work. You see, there's a young man at my, on my team at work, and he's, he, he's a great employee. He's like my right-hand man. And uh, he knows that I'm a follower of Jesus, and every now and then he's, he's asked uh, about questions of faith, and uh, I didn't really think much of it. But his wife also works at Medicaid in a different department, and because he's been such a good employee, I really wanted to give him a meaningful Christmas gift this year. And so I went to his wife, and I said, give me a gift suggestion. And you know what she came back with? She wondered if I would give him a Bible. She said, he's reading the Bible every night, and he really is, trying, is struggling to understand it. But the only Bible we have is this giant Catholic Bible that sat on the coffee table at Grandma's house forever. He said, would you, would you get him a Bible? So here's this guy I work with every day. He's seeking to understand scriptures. And has no one to help him. Could God be giving me a more direct message to live on mission? So I got my friend a study Bible. John, you'll be glad to know. Got him a study Bible. But I felt like God was really pushing me harder beyond my comfort zone. So I went to my boss, who's the director of Medicaid. And I asked him if we could start a Bible study at the office. Now, we're state employees. So there's always this state, you know, church state issue that some people are sensitive about. And without hesitation, he said, absolutely. So I asked for your prayers. I'm way you know, outside my comfort zone on that, leading a Bible study that I hope gets started in the, next, in the next week or two. But I believe because I did step out of my comfort zone, God found favor with my request to my boss. And I believe he'll do that with you too. Church, I believe God is teaching me to take my eyes off of me, to look at the world around me with compassion and to live on mission every day in every area of my life. And I think he's calling all of us to do the same. I'm going to ask Eric now to uh, lead us in a prayer. Sure, we're going to take a moment to, uh, to pray together here. So this should be up on the screen. If you follow me along and, and pray out loud, please. Almighty and most merciful Father, we are thankful that your mercy is higher than the heavens, wider than our wanderings, deeper than all our sin. As we enter this new year, forgive our careless attitudes toward your purposes, our failure to relieve the suffering of others, our envy of those who have more than we have, our obsession with creating a life of constant pleasure, 
our indifference to the treasures of heaven, our neglect of your wise and gracious law. Lord, help us to change our way of life so that we may desire what is good, love what you love, and do what you command through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Church, we're going to now enter a time of communion. And I'd ask those who are serving communion to come forth. We are, uh, as you do, in just a moment, I'll ask you to pause and pray. Make sure that you are right with God, as the scripture commands us. And then please come down the center aisle and return to the outside. You can take the bread and dip it in the juice. Um, and then return when you're ready to receive the elements on your own as we play a song. But this is also a time of offering. And if you've been hanging out with us at all through the Advent season, you know that we give to the Advent conspiracy. And if you have not had a chance to do that yet, or perhaps you were uh, waiting for today, the last day to do that, as you come forward, and by the way, if you're visiting with us today, this is, we, we ask you to give nothing. Your presence with us today is literally our, your gift to us, and we're so grateful for your presence. But there are two ways to give today. The Advent conspiracy offering is in the red box on the floor. And then if, you're, if you give through your normal tithes and offerings, those are on the baskets on the corners of the stage. So um, as, we, uh, as we pause and pray for just a moment, uh, please come forward when you're ready. Well, 2023 is upon us, right? I heard him say this year. This year is eight hours old, bro, or 10 hours old. That, that, 2022 is gone, man. Rearview mirror. Uh, but, but it's a new year. It's kind of that time where you, you think about how do we get a fresh start, and it's good to have times where you turn over a new leaf. And I just, I, I got to thinking and then kind of talk with these guys that it would be good for us to just have this New Year's Day service and focus in on the idea that let's make 2023 a year of discipleship, a year that we grow together. Is that, is that, a, is that a good idea? That, that we follow Jesus together, and as we follow Jesus together, we get closer to him, we get closer to each other, we let the Lord work on our lives. And so I just kind of asked them, hey, what is it in your life that has helped you grow as a follower of Jesus? Let's just throw this out to our congregation. The, the theologians call these the means of grace. They're the ways that God gives us his grace. He mediates his presence. He comes near to us. Um, there's way more than what we've shared with you this morning. But, um, you know, the, the, the presence of the word, the importance of, of our, our living on mission, the, the, the beauty of community, the, the fact that God is present in our very present help in times of trouble, and trial and, and tribulation and uh, are, are all things that are, are, are key. And kind of the goal for you today is, you, you know, how do we process this? Is just to leave this service thinking, you know, what's one or two things that I need to really incorporate in my life? The means of grace are ways that we partner with God's grace so that we experience his goodness and his faithfulness and his beauty in our lives. For example, the, the word is just, that's how we hear from God. It's how God's, the primary way God speaks to us. And every time I come to this time, one of the things I always end up going is, you know, I need to pray more. Anybody go through that all the time? Like, all right, what do you need in your spiritual life? I need to read the Bible more and I need to pray more. 
And, and, and I know how it gets, right? Our, our prayer life looks like this, okay? Okay, God, I need to pray more. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to pray. Okay, so it's, it's, it's January 1st, Lord. I just need your help. I'm going to pray more. Um, dear God, bless Joe. Help Joe. Oh, yeah, Joe posted on Facebook. Joe. Joe. Whoa, that's a cool video. Here's another cool video. There's a... I can't believe he said that. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm supposed to be praying. Okay, God, bless Ed. Help Ed. Is, this your, is, that, is that your story? Can I get an amen? Anybody with me? Okay, so uh, my, little, my little help for you this morning is this. A few years ago, we did a, a series on a book about prayer. It's a book called Praying the Bible. I got a copy of it up here. And like always, I'm telling you, I know you can't see it because you're way out there. I'm up here. I'm just holding up to show you that I have it. Praying the Bible by Don Whitney. We did a whole series on it. Um, there are very few books, like I, I like reading, and, and reading is a healthy spiritual discipline. Outside the Bible is a spir- healthy spiritual discipline. Very few times in my life have I read a book and got to the end book and went, this revolutionized my life. This little book by Don Whitney did that because I struggled like that, and I really took in the idea of the book and started saying, I'm going to try to incorporate this into my prayer life, and it changed me. I'm giving you the really short version here, and it is this simple. Prayer is a conversation. It's not a monologue. It's not me trying to talk to God. It's God creating a conversation. He's the first speaker, and he has spoken to us in his word. The best way to pray and the way to learn to pray is by starting with what the Bible says and and then praying that back. And and the best place to do is to start in the Psalms, to to just open a Psalm, read it, and then interact with that Psalm and, and kind of read it for yourself. So hear what God's saying to you, but then use that Psalm to pray back to God. He's even got a simple little process in here where he says, what you do is that you, you check the calendar, see what day of the month it is. You got, today's the first. And so here's what you do. You go through and, and, and you start with Psalm 1. And real quick, read a little bit out of Psalm 1, see if that fits with your heart today. And if it doesn't, then go to Psalm 31. Add 30, add 30 again, Psalm 61. Add 30 again, Psalm 91. Add 30 again, Psalm 121. You have five Psalms you can choose from where you real quick just... Which one most resonates with your heart? And the one that just you feel like after a real quick skim read connects, read it and then just pray it. Pray it back. When you read a line, if somebody comes to mind or if some issue comes to mind or some challenge comes to mind or some struggle, just lift that up in your prayer. If you have a prayer list, just put it alongside of it and use this to pray for people. This little book changed the way I pray. And, and beautifully, the, the recently, the publishers made this book available to us, a box of this book available for free. So I actually have these for you today. If you were here the first time, still have it, then you don't necessarily need one, that's fine. But for the rest of y'all, until they're gone, I have a box that's either 25 or 40 of them out here. One of my daughters is going to be out there, hand them out for you. Grab one. Don't grab like five per family. Grab one or two per family most until they're, they're gone. And if you come back and there's more left, then you can take them then. 
Um, but, but it's just a simple little way to say, I need to pray more. That will, like, if, if praying the word will just shape the way you pray so well. And I want us to do an exercise as we close, as we pray for the new year. So I want you to grab your Bible and turn to Psalm 1. Psalm chapter 1. We haven't read a whole passage together, although John helped us get into the Word. But we should always open the Bible together and read a passage together in our service. Remember that Christ is the center of all things, that every passage is about Him first and taking us to Him, and that we all need the gospel together. And so Psalm 1 is a beautiful passage. Psalm 1 actually, um, so it's one of the ones for today, Psalm 1, first Psalm here, as we are on January 1st. Um, it is, most, most people who study the Psalms believe that Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 are the introduction to all the Psalms. And you will see in this text that there is a comparison of two types of people. And what you will hear is some of the themes of the things that we heard were important in our spiritual life designate one, and, and, and then the other type of person is walking a different direction, walking a different path. Two people on two paths But then I'm going to pray this over us as kind of a prayer for 2023. So if you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles uh, at the end of rows. Grab one of those. Have your app. I'm going to read this out loud. You read it with me. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They're like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the day of judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. I'm gonna pray this over us on January 1st for the coming year, but also kind of model what I'm talking about, what it might look like to just pray a psalm. So Lord, we we know that your word here says that the person who walks in the counsel of the wicked is not blessed. And I know that sometimes I struggle because I want the approval of the world. I want the approval of people around me. I want the approval of the culture. Remind us that when we stand in the way of sinners, we sit in the seat of scoffers, when we find ourselves over-identifying with the broken people and, and, and the wicked people of the world that we lose our connection with you. But Lord, we pray for these people. We pray for the scoffer and the sinner. We pray that our witness might reach them, that their lives might be shaped because we are walking with you. And so, Lord, we pray. I just pray that this church, our delight, would be in the law of the Lord. That for people in here who struggle to open their Bible on a regular rhythmic basis, that you will by your spirit, empower them to do that, that they will be in the scriptures, that our community groups will be places where we are delighting in the law of the Lord, that, that on Sunday morning as we gather, you will, we will delight in the law of the Lord. And Lord, help us to become more and more people that meditate on your word day and night. Father, I pray for the families in this church that you would plant us like a tree planted by streams of water, that even during the seasons where the world is parched and rain is dried up, you have put us in a place where our roots have run deep and they can tap into a water source of your spirit. Even when we suffer and we struggle and we hurt, we will know that your goodness is there. And Lord, that we will be fruit-bearing, 
people whose leaves don't wither during the dark, hot days of summer or the cold, brutal season of winter, but that you will prosper our mission, our call together, our work in the gospel. Lord, we know the wicked aren't so. And so we know that when people don't trust you, their life just comes to an end. And Lord, they won't stand in the judgment. And they won't stand in the congregation of the righteous. And on one level, Lord, we pray against the wickedness of the world. We pray that you would raise up your church to be light and salt. But we know that this also includes our neighbors and our friends. And we just pray that you would give us the boldness to share Jesus with them and to represent Christ among them. But we also pray against the wickedness and in power around the world, and we ask that you would um, just bless the immigrant and the refugee and the people who are fleeing for their lives because they live under awful rulers. And so, Lord, we praise you because you know the way of the righteous, and we praise you that you know that the way of the wicked will perish, and we pray that this year, in 2023 as a church, we will walk the path of righteousness. We will walk the path of beauty. We will hold on to you during the problems and the toils of life. We will open the scripture and read the word, Lord, that we will live on mission, that we will be more diligent to be in community, and Lord, we will be more faithful to lift up our voices in prayer in this coming year. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would send revival and awakening to this church and the community. For this, we praise you. In your name I pray. Amen.